Welcome to The Big Secret on Wall Street this week. I'm Porter Stansberry. The Gods of Gas. How two brothers you've never heard of became America's largest producers of natural gas. What they're doing next will make billions and transform the global market for energy. The company's corporate slogan ought to be death to Saudi Arabia. The media and our political leaders are focused on today's short-term bear market problems. Gasoline prices, inflation, and mortgage rates. Environmentalists are fixated on the impossible, a world without fossil fuels. Meanwhile, two brothers from Pittsburgh pieced together the world's leading producer of an ESG-approved, super-clean, carbon-based energy source. Now, they're building a global distribution network that will leave Saudi oil virtually worthless. The biggest disruption to the world's energy markets in a hundred years is underway, and you've never heard anything about it until now. Bring me the head of the dog, said the angry voice on the speakerphone. It was the chief of staff to Mohammed bin Salman, the acting king of Saudi Arabia, known as the Crown Prince. The phone was inside a safe room at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. It wasn't a rhetorical order. The leader of Tiger Squad, an elite 15-member hit team, was holding a surgical bone saw. Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist with the Washington Post, was kidnapped. While his girlfriend waited outside the consulate, the Tiger Squad put a plastic bag over his head and cut him into pieces. According to the recording of his death, it took him seven minutes to die. Mohammed bin Salman was listening. The Tiger Squad brought back Khashoggi's fingers, which they cut off one at a time as a trophy for the king. The rest of his body was burned in a specialized oven installed at the consulate. A barbecue in the courtyard was used to cover up the smell. The depravity of Saudi Arabia's leaders isn't new. Barbaric events occur routinely in the country. People convicted of adultery are still stoned to death. Amina bin Salim Nasser was beheaded for practicing sorcery and witchcraft in 2011. We doubt she was really a witch, but I guess we'll never know for sure. And let's not forget the mass executions. Last March, Saudi Arabia beheaded 81 people at the same time. They were all confessed criminals. Confessed because they had all been tortured. There's only one difference between Saudi Arabia and the barbaric, friendless countries of the Middle East, like the Taliban's Afghanistan. The difference is oil. Since the end of World War II, Saudi oil has powered the world, with tankers carrying its crude oil to virtually every corner of the earth. For the last 50 years, the quest for energy security has dominated the foreign policy of all the great powers, including the United States. Thus, Saudi Arabia has always been given a pass, no matter what happened. Even the country's obvious ties to the 9-11 terrorists were swept under the rug. But the world's market for energy is about to be turned upside down forever. And in another decade or so, no one will need Saudi oil anymore. The big secret on Wall Street this week isn't what's behind skyrocketing gasoline prices. Everybody already knows there's not enough refining capacity in America. Everybody already knows there's not enough pipeline capacity either. And everyone has already been told about the Jones Act, which restricts shipping petroleum products 
inside the United States. So why haven't more refineries been built? Why haven't more oil pipelines been made? Why don't we repeal the Jones Act? Why? Well, the gasoline business is going extinct. It's a dinosaur. Automobile manufacturers are standardizing on electric cars. The capital needed to build new gasoline refining and distribution will end up being stranded. It'll be unused, forgotten, and worthless. That's why big investors won't get behind any new gasoline infrastructure. Gasoline is not the gas investors should be focused on. The big secret on Wall Street this week isn't about gasoline. It's about gas, natural gas. Before the end of this year, the first international end-to-end -end production and distribution deal for American shale gas will be struck by a leading fracker, a small independent oil and gas firm whose production is centered on the largest natural gas reserve in the world, the Marcellus Shale. This deal will create the first new super-major energy company to emerge from America's shale resources, which are the largest ever discovered. This firm, which I bet not a single paid-up subscriber has ever heard of, has suddenly, virtually overnight, become the largest producer of natural gas in the United States. It will soon be the largest and the most important energy company in the world. I hope that you'll read that again. A company you've never heard of before is already the leading producer of natural gas in the United States. It sits on a resource that's so big and that's growing production so much, it will become the most important energy company in the world over the next decade. Best of all, the revolution this company is leading will render Saudi oil virtually worthless. The company's corporate slogan ought to be, Death to Saudi Arabia. Meet the Rice Brothers the gods of gas. Toby and Derek Rice are from Pittsburgh. Their father was a private equity banker who specialized in oil and gas. The brothers, while still in their late 20s, began to assemble valuable acreage in the Marcellus Shale Basin, starting in 2007. When the emerging shale field produced surplus amounts of gas, shocking amounts of gas really, they took advantage of collapsing prices to add huge amounts of acreage from failing producers. Their firm, Rice Energy, grew to be one of the 10 largest producers of natural gas in the United States. But that was just the beginning. In 2017, they sold Rice Energy for $6.7 to a large publicly traded gas company, EQT, creating the largest producer of natural gas in the United States. Then, in 2019, unhappy with EQT's inability to control costs or to raise production further, the brothers conducted a proxy battle and won 80% of the votes. Toby became EQT's CEO, and that's when the story gets a lot more interesting. By the end of 2021, despite the disruptions of COVID-19, the Rice Brothers turned EQT into one of the most efficient energy companies in the world. Changes that were almost too good to be true. In just over a year, well costs fell 47%, and drilling speeds increased by 95%. The financial impact was substantial. Gross profit margins more than doubled, from less than 10% to over 20%. Cash from operations grew from $1.5 billion to over $2.2 billion, even though gas prices remained low and capital expenditures were flat. Earnings per share went from negative 19 cents in 2020 to positive 92 cents in 2021. 
Earnings are expected to grow to $2.70 per share this year and to over $6 next year. Most important, free cash flow. That's the excess capital that's available to return to shareholders has exploded. In 2019, under the old regime, EQT reported free cash flow of less than $250 million. In 2020, the Rice Brothers' first year in control of the company had virtually doubled to $495 million. So far, in the first quarter of this year, EQT has returned over $800 million in capital to investors in the form of share buybacks, $230 million, cash dividends, $47 million, and debt retirement. EQT has raised its free cash flow estimate for the full year by 50% to $2.35 billion. The company now expects to generate $17 billion of cumulative free cash flow from 2022 through 2027. That's roughly equal to its current market capitalization. How is that possible? How did two brothers from Pittsburgh take a small regional also-ran shale gas company and turn it into an economic engine that produces tens of billions in free cash and is the largest supplier of natural gas in the United States. It wasn't merely by cutting costs. They also did a huge deal with Chevron, a really huge deal. It was the fall of 2020. The pandemic sent oil and gas prices to decade lows. Chevron decided to write off its entire investment in the Marcellus. Chevron took an $8 billion write-off. But EQT only paid $735 million for Chevron's Marcellus operations. They basically stole it. The Chevron deal for 800,000 acres and EQT's later acquisition of Alta Resources, another 300,000 acres, assures that EQT will remain the dominant provider of natural gas from the Marcellus for decades. It's hard to estimate what that will mean over time, thanks to EQT's continuous drive to improve operating efficiency. It's also hard to know just how much gas EQT controls, but a safe bet is a lot more than the 25 trillion cubic feet they have proved with current drilling. As drilling techniques improve, and as more and more wells are drilled, the size of the total Marcellus resource continues to scale higher and higher. As of 2019, the United States Geological Survey estimated the Marcellus formation, including the associated shale layers known as the Utica, contained 214 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. However, these same estimates have been increasing over time, from 2 trillion 20 years ago to 84 trillion 10 years ago to 97 trillion most recently. Scientists from Penn State University now claim over 400 trillion cubic feet of gas is recoverable in the basin. To put this into context, the Marcellus probably contains more natural gas than all of the other natural gas producing areas in the United States combined. The Marcellus alone probably contains more natural gas than every other producing nation except Russia, Iran, and Qatar. The Marcellus isn't merely a big gas field. It's one of the largest reservoirs of energy in the world. Its development will not only change the U.S. economy, it will reshape the global economy for the rest of our lives. And I believe EQT will lead this process because no one will produce more natural gas from the Marcellus or in America than EQT. A critical first step towards becoming a super major energy company is gaining an investment grade credit rating. An investment grade rating will allow EQT access to vastly more capital 
which it will need to build out more pipelines, more processing plants, and eventually its own LNG infrastructure, liquefied natural gas. I'll explain more about that later. EQT got that endorsement in the first quarter from both S&P and Fitch. Moody's has signaled it will increase EQT to an investment grade credit too this year. EQT was essentially forgotten and left for dead during the pandemic, but today it has the scale, the market power, and the credit rating to do something only super major oil companies can do, build its own global distribution network and capture the vastly higher prices for energy on the global market. Over the next decade, EQT's pipelines, processing plants, LNG terminals, and long-term fixed price global distribution deals will become the envy of every energy company in the world. But until you read this report, you've never even heard of EQT or the Rice Brothers, right? That's because the media and the politicians are, as always, fighting the last war. They play to the plebes who care about the cost to fill up an SUV. Think about all the Biden stickers on gas pumps. The media and politics focus only on today's problem. But the future is obvious. Gasoline isn't going to power the world's transportation economy for the next 50 years. General Motors is investing $27 billion in vehicle electrification over the next five years. It plans to offer 30 different electric models by 2025 and will phase out all gas-powered automobiles by 2035. That's why nobody wants to own a new gasoline refinery with a very near use for economic life. Demand for gasoline is going to fall off a cliff in less than a decade. The next gas-powered car you buy will probably be the last gasoline-powered car you'll ever own. And as electricity replaces gasoline in vehicles, the ultimate fuel source for cars will change from gasoline to natural gas. It's natural gas that will power the power grid, not gasoline. If you want to plug your car into the grid, you're going to need what EQT has, and lots of it. What investors need to know isn't what the price of gas is going to be by the end of the year. What you need to know is how America's dominance in natural gas is going to completely reshape the market for energy and transportation all over the world. If you followed our work at Stansbury Research, you know we've been following this story for a long time, more than a decade. You also know we broke some of the biggest stories in finance for years, such as predicting the collapse of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, predicting the bankruptcy of General Motors, and predicting the demise of GE. We've also recommended dozens of great emerging companies that went on to become industry leaders, such as Amazon.com, Qualcomm, Illumina, Microsoft, Shopify, NVIDIA, and literally dozens and dozens more. But what's about to happen with U.S. natural gas is far bigger than any of these things. American natural gas is emerging right now as the world's next dominant energy source. American natural gas will power the world over the next several decades. Forget about Saudi Arabia. America is the new energy king. And there's one company best positioned to capture the biggest profits of this new global reality, EQT. Before the end of this year, a new super-major energy company will come into existence. The first all-American corporation that can frack, refine, distribute, and deliver natural gas from the largest natural gas fields in the world, the Marcellus, 
to virtually any country in the world. That's why EQT will be the king of natural gas. Let me ask you, what's the richest country in the world on a per capita basis? Lots of people would guess Saudi Arabia, 1922, or the United Arab Emirates. But it's none of those countries, it's Qatar. Qatar was a relatively poor country until the early 2000s, with a GDP below 10 billion. But beginning in 1997, Qatar began to quietly dominate the world's global trade in LNG, liquefied natural gas. Qatar shares a huge offshore natural gas field with Iran, known as the North Field. This field is an enormous resource. It's the largest proven natural gas field in the world, with reserves of at least 896 trillion cubic feet. But Qatar didn't begin exporting natural gas in large quantities until 1997, when it sent its first shipment of liquefied natural gas to Spain. By 2007, Qatar was the world's largest supplier of LNG. Today, Qatar has eight massive LNG trains and six even bigger megatrains, which can liquefy huge volumes of natural gas so that it can be shipped on specialized LNG tankers. Qatar is currently investing another $30 billion in a massive expansion of the North Field, which will reportedly increase production by 40% in 2025. The results of these investments are hard to believe. In 1996, Qatar's GDP was $9 billion a year. By 2014, Qatar's GDP was over $200 billion. Qatar's economy grew by 21-fold in less than 20 years. The Sovereign Wealth Fund now tops $400 billion, making it one of the largest pools of capital in the world. With only 300,000 citizens, Qatar has a per capita GDP per citizen of $686,000 a year and more than a million dollars for each citizen in its Sovereign Wealth Fund. That's the kind of wealth that's coming to America. How do we know? Well, the U.S. began exporting significant quantities of natural gas in the early 2000s via pipelines to Canada and Mexico. As U.S. production grew thanks to shale gas development, the U.S. became the world's largest natural gas producer in 2009, exports have been growing rapidly. Exports grew from less than half a billion cubic feet per day in the early 2000s to over 2 billion cubic feet per day in 2015. And since 2015, export growth has been parabolic. It has tripled from 2 billion cubic feet per day to over 6 billion cubic feet per day. Longtime readers of our work may remember a report we wrote in the spring of 2006 called, quote, Madness. The report was about a startup that planned to build a huge new LNG import terminal in Louisiana. You have to remember, this was during the peak oil mania, when most investors sincerely believed the United States was running out of hydrocarbons, both oil and gas, and that we would face permanent shortages. The, quote, only way to save the country, the argument went, was by importing huge quantities of oil and gas from places like Russia and Qatar, where major oil companies were investing tens of billions of dollars. Some of these projects were incredibly risky, even stupid. Projects like natural gas production in the middle of the Caspian Sea. Another project was in the Russian Arctic, 300 miles from the North Pole. It was a global mass hysteria. And frankly, we couldn't understand why everyone had lost their minds. 
We knew America had more hydrocarbons locked in so-called tight shales than these other places combined. All that we needed were some pipelines and a little ingenuity. We believed even back then, America would be the dominant provider of natural gas to the world, not an importer. And as we saw shale gas drilling began to take off, we also saw more and more gas being produced and more and more gas being stored. A glut was forming, not permanent shortages. As we wrote way back in May 2006, quote, I believe overinvestment in domestic drilling and production has already produced a glut of natural gas that will persist for many years. New technologies recently have unlocked huge supplies of gas in the United States. Heavy investment in the sector since 2003 is now beginning to bring these new reserves into production. Far from running out of gas, we're drowning in the stuff. Huge new supplies of gas have been found in the U.S. over the last 10 years because of innovations in shale gas drilling. These new reserves are only now coming into production. Chenier Energy plans to build three new liquefied natural gas plants along the globe's coast. Each of these terminals will cost more than a billion dollars. It will take several years to construct. The first one isn't even scheduled to begin operations until 2008 or 2009. The point of these terminals is to serve as offloading stations for LNG tankers, which theoretically would ship natural gas to America from places like Egypt, Algeria, and Oman. Chenier wants to spend billions to set up facilities for importing natural gas into the United States. This is utter madness. There's only one other country in the world, according to the CIA, that produces more natural gas than the United States. That's Russia. Chenier's business plan is the equivalent of setting up a really big airport in Iowa to import wheat from China on the basis that wheat costs less there. It just doesn't make any sense, given the abundance of natural gas and our country. That's a quote from an article I wrote in May 2006, entitled Madness. And as everybody knows by now, we were exactly right, both about soaring gas production and the future of a business that was trying to import LNG to America. We recommended shorting Chenier Energy back in May 2006 at around $40 per share. By 2008, it had fallen to $2, a complete collapse. As we wrote at the time, if you were trying to win a competition for the worst business idea, this one would be hard to beat. But a funny thing happened on the road to bankruptcy for Chenier Energy. The company's founder and CEO had a complete change of heart. He realized, I'll buy a little late in the game, that the problem America faced wasn't a shortage of natural gas at all, but a glut. And the only way to solve this problem over the long term was to begin exporting massive quantities of natural gas via LNG. So, in a case of real life being stranger than fiction, in 2009, the company completely reversed course in mid-construction, and rather than building LNG import facilities, reverse engineered, yep, it turned off, I think it's going to be done. Yep, so. yep. So, in a case of real life being stranger than fiction, in 2009, the company completely reversed course in mid-construction, and rather than building LNG import facilities, reverse engineered and rebuilt their facilities to become LNG export facilities. Yeah, America loves a comeback story. And ever since the company got on the right side of the most important trade in the world, the inevitable global domination of U.S. natural gas, the stock has basically gone in a straight line from $2 to $150 a share.
for market cap today of $35 billion. Chenier is the largest LNG exporter from America. It fills a crucial bottleneck in the global energy markets. Revenues are $25 billion annually. The company is projected to earn about $11 per share this year. But Chenier isn't going to dominate the global markets. It doesn't own any natural gas resources. It only owns the terminals. Just imagine what's going to happen when entrepreneurs as savvy as the Rice Brothers get involved in LNG. Remember, the people who built Chenier knew so little about America's natural gas assets. They were going to import gas to America. Schneer is the story of a monkey fighting a dollar and thinking he's a banker. The coming revolution is far bigger than Schneer. America has more natural gas infrastructure than the rest of the world combined. America already produces more natural gas than any other country and has the capability to grow production faster too. In March 2022, U.S. LNG exports set a new daily record of 11.9 billion cubic feet per day, which is about 22% of the world's current demand. And by the end of 2022, when the new Calcasieu Pass LNG export facility comes fully online, America will have the most LNG export capacity in the world, surpassing the club. But these are just baby steps. America only exported more gas via LNG than by pipeline for the first time in 2021. And so far, none of the major frackers have vertically integrated their gas production with their own LNG distribution networks. There's no direct link between America's giant shale gas fields and global markets, not yet. When that happens, everything will change. This chart by the U.S. Energy Information Administration shows why. As you can see, the fastest growing region is the Marcellus. And note that in this chart, the Utica Shale, which is in the same geographical basin as the Marcellus, is broken out as a separate region. But really, it isn't separate. It's really part of the Marcellus, too. Becoming American dominance in global natural gas will be powered by producers in the Marcellus, the Permian, the Eagle Ford, and the Haynesville Shales. Out of all those, the Marcellus will be by far the biggest. And who is the largest producer of natural gas in the Marcellus? It's also the largest producer of natural gas in the United States, EQT. EQT grew production in 2021 by 31%. There's no question the company can supply gas to the world for decades. It has 25 trillion cubic feet approved natural gas reserves and controls 2 million acres of the Marcellus, which is the richest natural gas field in the world. The company's assets have provided 10% of all of the growth in natural gas production in the United States since 2005. Meanwhile, global demand for LNG, especially American LNG, is soaring. Russia supplies Europe with about 40% of its natural gas. Prices for natural gas have soared in Europe this year, jumping tenfold, as trading firms expect further restrictions on Russian energy exports. Natural gas in Europe is trading around 56 dollars per million BTUs. That compares with to U.S. prices that, while much higher than last year, $2, haven't broken yet above $10. This enormous spread between gas prices in Europe versus America has led to a huge shift in global supply. The total number of U.S. LNG cargoes shipped to Europe, including Turkey, in the first two months of the year jumped to a record 164, up from 125 cargoes last year. 
The even larger opportunity is to replace coal internationally as the leading baseload power fuel. As Europe is discovering, it isn't yet feasible to power an entire economy's electric grid with wind and solar power. The wind doesn't always blow, and the sun doesn't always shine. But simply replacing coal with natural gas, distributed as LNG, would dramatically reduce greenhouse gas emissions. As Toby Rice, CEO of EQT, explained on a recent conference call, quote, without incremental U.S. natural gas, the world is reverting to coal. In just the last 12 months, emissions associated with international coal consumption increased at a level that effectively wipes out all of the progress made by the United States in deploying wind and solar over the last 15 years. We will not be successful in addressing climate change without providing a scalable solution to international coal. That scalable solution is natural gas, and we are the ones that have it. The company's plan is simple. Continue to increase production and build pipelines and LNG infrastructure to support global distribution. Doing so will allow the company to capture the far higher international prices for natural gas. And it would vastly lower global emissions because it would take coal offline. Quote, our plan contemplates quadrupling U.S. LNG capacity by 2030 which we estimate will reduce international CO2 emissions by an incremental 1.1 billion tons per year. To put that into context, this is the emissions reduction equivalent to electrifying every single U.S. passenger vehicle, putting solar panels on every home in America, and doubling the installed capacity of U.S. wind power generation, all combined. Is this plan realistic? Can a regional fracker really begin to compete with the likes of Qatar and ExxonMobil to become a truly end-to-end -end energy company with global distribution? Yeah, it can. In fact, we think it's inevitable. EQT has what the world needs most right now. Virtually unlimited supplies of low-cost natural gas. In the short term, these assets will be unlocked by new pipelines and new East Coast LNG terminals to supply Europe especially Germany, Poland, and Lithuania, with reliable long-term supplies of natural gas. There is no more valuable strategic asset in America's efforts to contain Putin's aggression. And when the rest of the market sees what this company is doing, linking extremely large supplies of natural gas to the global markets where the price of gas is highest, the financial returns should be incredible. All we need to see to validate our outlook on the company is a long-term contract with a major foreign trading partner at a price that's well above average U.S. prices. Once that happens, investors won't think of this small regional company as merely a fracker. It will have become a super major, a global energy company. And when will that happen? Well, according to Toby Rice, EQT's CEO, by the end of this year, quote, we are currently in discussions with LNG end users across various geographies and are contemplating equity investment opportunities in LNG export facilities. We are pursuing a portfolio approach from the perspective of liquefaction at end-to-end -end markets. Our goal is to have our first LNG contract signed by the end of the year. End quote. Over the longer term, EQT's efforts to become the world's cleanest energy company will show the path forward for our entire economy's energy needs. 
cars aren't going to run on gasoline for long, and they can't run on solar power. Likewise, using solar and wind power exclusively for the power grid isn't feasible. As more and more cars depend on the grid for power, the amount of electricity consumption in the U.S. and around the world is going to soar. What is the only clean and dependable way to supply that demand? American natural gas. And which energy company will be America's largest supplier of energy, and maybe the world's? That'll be EQT. Well, I really hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the presentation today, and it's certainly great to be back uh, in the saddle, so to speak. As some of you know, I started my first financial advisory, that was Porter Stansbury's Investment Advisory, back in 1999. I spent 20 years building it into a million-subscriber, multi-brand financial publishing platform called Stansbury Holdings. In the process, I traveled all over the world. I interviewed hundreds of incredible entrepreneurs and investors. Everybody from Craig Ventner, who cracked the human genome at Solera Genomics, to Jim Rogers, who was the co-founder of the Quantum Fund with George Soros. I also faithfully served millions of investors all over the world, and I have developed friendships with many of my subscribers. While I'm proud of the business that I built, and I continue to be the largest individual shareholder, I prefer the independence of running my own small shop. That's why Porter & Company's international headquarters is in my backyard in a tractor barn. I get to work with a small group of friends, some of whom I have known since high school. Nobody gets to tell me what I can or can't write, and I don't have to meet any demands for growth or profits. We have zero meetings. We just work together to research and publish major investment ideas. Ideas that we believe are way ahead of the market and that our readers will not find anywhere else. I own 100% of Porter & Company, and with a little help from you, dear subscribers, it will always remain that way. I decided to write about EQT in this, the first issue of my new publication, because EQT is the best investment idea I have ever seen in my entire career. In addition to being a great investment, it's also part of a very big investment trend that investors will eventually focus on for a long time. American shale gas and LNG will become extremely important to the world economy. There's no question in my mind that American natural gas is the most important strategic asset in the world. And that way, EQT and the global shale gas and LNG revolution is the quintessential Porter story. It's the kind of major investment theme that I have focused on my entire career. For example, I was the first financial newsletter writer to break the story of the first really big shale oil play. I wrote about the Eagle Ford field in March 2010. Quote, I expect Eagle Ford to yield more than $2 billion in oil and gas by 2013 and to increase steadily for at least 20 years. These numbers mean Eagle Ford will probably produce hundreds of billions worth of oil and gas over the next 30 to 40 years. The article was called All the Oil in Texas. And by the way, I was way too conservative with my forecast. The Eagle Ford went from producing virtually zero oil in 2009 to producing a million barrels of oil per day by 2013. With oil trading around $100 a barrel, that meant the Eagle Ford was producing $100 million worth of oil every day, or $36.5 billion worth of oil every year. And the Eagle Ford is still producing oil at those rates today, too. That shale field, and others like it, that we also wrote about over the years, like the Permian, for example, 
completely changed the global landscape of the oil business. These resources led directly to America becoming a net energy exporter. My point is, I've always focused on major investment ideas, not just some company with a new widget. It's by following these major themes that evolve over several years. I believe investors have the best opportunity to make market beating returns that are sustainable and repeatable. So, I hope you'll join me in following these kinds of major investment themes. My new publication, The Big Secret on Wall Street, this week, will be published every other Friday. As with our first issue, each issue will have detailed analysis of a major investment idea and continuing coverage of the stocks we have previously recommended. I'll always focus on something I'm virtually certain you won't read about anywhere else. I used to publish once a month. Now I am writing every other week as a hat tip to one of my heroes in the investment research space, Jim Grant of Grant's Interest Rate Observer. Jim has been writing about the markets eloquently, wisely, and independently since 1983, almost 40 years. As I am turning 50 this year, I'm hoping to match his record. I love what I do, and I plan to keep doing it for at least another 40 years. I will also honor Jim by not undercutting him on price. The big secret on Wall Street this week will cost $1,425 per year, exactly what Jim charges his subscribers. Here is my formal offer. Subscribers to The Big Secret on Wall Street this week will receive an issue every other Friday, except for a break around Christmas and New Year's, and except for the month of August. No one should work in August. It's way too hot. Our annual subscription rate, like Jim Grant's, is $1,425 per year. However, if you subscribe today, we will offer you a charter membership price. Pay just $1,000 for the first year. Paid-up subscribers will receive several additional benefits. All paid-up subscribers will be invited to my farm in Maryland for an annual conference. I'll pay for the speakers, the food, the drinks, and the entertainment. All you have to do is RSVP. Space, of course, will be limited. We can accommodate the first 500 subscribers who respond to the invitation. Everyone else is welcome to attend digitally. All paid-up subscribers will have access to a back-issue archive and a model portfolio of our recommendations on the subscribers-only portion of our website, www.porterandcompanyresearch.com. Updates to our model portfolio will be emailed to paid-up subscribers as necessary and those changes will be noted on the subscribers-only portion of the website. All paid-up subscribers will receive three new special reports on our most valuable investing strategies, a guide to property and casualty insurance investing, a guide to capital-efficient investing, and a guide to distressed debt investing. These reports will be published over the course of the next year. Subscribers will also receive a copy of my soon-to-be-published book, Buffett's Mistakes, Although, I can't make any promises about exactly when. Understand, I've been writing that book for almost 10 years, and I swear it's almost finished. Finally, paid-up subscribers are invited to use the comments section of our website to ask questions and converse with each other. I will respond personally to all reasonable questions, and probably to most of the unreasonable questions, too. But pester me at your peril. I reserve the right to be snarky. Here's the small print. I am running this business more or less as a one-man band. 
please don't ask for a refund. It's not that I can't afford it. However, such a request will hurt my ego, and worse, it will require that I perform clerical work that I abhor. So, if you're unsure about whether or not you're ready to subscribe, please don't panic. If you can live without reading my work, I suppose I'll simply have to get over it. P.S. My longer-term plan for Porter & Company is to hire a small group of world-class analysts to help continue my work in several areas where I have a lot of experience and where I believe we have a definitive edge. For example, covering the property and casualty insurance stocks, covering biotech. At Stansbury Research, our initial alliance offer sold for $2,700 and included three or four research products. But it now costs over $30,000 to join that alliance offer. And in, of course, Stansbury Research now publishes dozens of products. So subscribers who joined early got the deal of a lifetime. If you would like to be a Porter & Company partner, we would be very grateful for your support and happy to extend a charter price of only $5,000, which is half off the regular price. 